Today on Locked On Canadians, Jordan Harris has signed a new, new deal. Lots of people are coming back from injuries, or are they? Plus the Friday mailbag. Locked On Canadians, your daily podcast on the Montreal Canadiens. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi there, everyone, and welcome to episode 783. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more by visiting fanduel.com slash locked on today to get started. My name is Laura Saab, also known as the Active Stick, and I'm joined, as always, by Scott Matla. And we are, as you know, your team every day. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And we thank you so much for joining us, whether it's on any of your favorite podcast apps or on YouTube. Uh, Scott, how are you doing on this belated Friday mailbag? I'm doing all right. Uh, It was nice to actually get Canadians news that wasn't um, nothing, I guess. Uh, The... This week has been kind of the, that week where it's like every time the Canadians tweet, you have a heart attack because you're not sure what to expect, and it's almost always been fluff. Uh, but uh, out of nowhere, contract signing, which is always a welcome thing as uh, two folks who have a podcast where they talk about games uh, five days a week. Also, two folks who really appreciate what Jordan Harris brings to the Montreal Canadiens. He signed a two-year contract at $1.4 million per, which I think is incredibly good value for Jordan Harris. And I think where you stand on jo- Jordan Harris depends on how you view defensemen. If you need to be seeing them all the time in order to believe that they're effective, Jordan Harris is not for you. But if you believe in a man who quietly takes care of business so that his team can keep the puck out of the net and keep control of the game, Jordan Harris is your man. Yeah, I look at Jordan Harris as a Brett Kulak type player is that they're not flashy. They are not overly strong in terms of like offensive metrics. But uh, we talked with Andrew Berkshire uh, in uh, private chat and looking at some of the numbers it's a pretty solid deal for a guy playing big five on five minutes and some penalty kill time on a bad team and getting seemingly positive results. Uh, His pairing with Jonathan Kovacevic has been really, really solid. And I think Harris is that kind of guy that he just is what your modern defensive defenseman should be. He's got the mobility. He can skate the puck out. He makes smart plays and he signed up for two years, $1.4 million dollars. Uh, similar deal to what Connor Timmons got in Toronto. Timmons is a few years older, not putting up maybe Timmons the same. Is two years older. This is this is literally the quote from Andrew Berkshire. Timmons is two years older and not as good in fewer minutes. And it isn't as good as I mean. I guess everyone's subjective. I think Timmons is likely going to put up more points, but he's also playing on a more being more high powered offense than the Montreal Canadiens is like I'm the fastest car in the junkyard right now, but. Uh, I'm a big fan of this because it's cheap. And I know some people are like, okay, so if Harris gets two years, 1.4 per, what is Arbor Jack guy going to get when his deal is up? What is um, some of these other guys? And 
this sets a good baseline for a lot of them. I think they're going to look, you know, two to three years here and see what they can do uh, in terms of guys, because they have a lot of young defensemen. Caden Gooley, I wouldn't be shocked if they went out and at the end of his entry-level deal gave him a full eight-year extension. Arbor Jack, I can see them giving like three to four years in a pay bump there. You've got guys that are going to be coming in, like Logan Mayu is going to be on their entry level. You know, Adam Engstrom's coming in. Lane Hudson is eventually going to be coming in too. You eventually have to make space for everyone. And the next two, two and a half to three years is going to be, we're, we're sorting the wheat from the chaff here, which is about the oldest phrase I've ever used on this show here. Those who are proving they're going to stick around, they're going to keep. They might try to wave some guys. They might try to trade some guys. But there's about a two-year window here where we're going to see some extensions and those who are going to stick are going to make it real obvious here before the next batch comes in, not counting who they draft this year. But for Jordan Harris, I think this is a big vote of confidence. This is the guy that I can see wearing a letter for the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and I know that's saying a lot, but very good leader on the ice uh, was the captain at Northeastern really just a great head on his shoulders on and off the ice here. Uh, there was an article in La Presse. I believe it was, Highly recommend you get a chance to read that. The quotes were floating around Twitter, but really happy to see them get Jordan Harris locked up now. One less, even if it's small, one less thing to worry about in the offseason. Yeah, and I think one of the ways that I would describe Jordan Harris's play is unflappable, right? You've got guys who will often lose their heads and not necessarily in a way that like they get angry and go after another player or something like that but he doesn't lose his mind to the point of making the wrong decisions, right? He remains calm, so he's able to continue to use his hockey smarts in order to make decisions. And I, I really love that about the Montreal Canadiens and that that's what they appreciate about him. Um, and that's what, you know, like I said, like it's great value for what he brings to the game, what he brings to the team. And I want to see him continue in that same vein because I'm excited to see once this team is no longer as bad, I'm excited to see how well he does in that scenario, you know, like what his numbers look like at that point, because you're assuming that the way the Canadians are going, they're hoping and attempting and putting every effort into being into becoming a better team defensively overall. So I'm just excited for the future for this kid. And I think two years is great because like, he's the type of player that even if he does get a raise, like how high could it possibly go based on what he brings? Right. He's definitely going to be a Brett Kulak type. Uh, so I'm excited about that. I'm happy for him. I'm happy for the Canadians and I'm happy for people like us who have liked him since he was a draft pick. Um, so I don't know that that's, that's pretty much, I think all we can say on the, on the Jordan Harris dossier at this, at this moment, Scott, unless you have something to add. Uh, we talked about it with Tony Ferrari a little bit too, is that Jordan Harris is not meant to be a superstar pillar of this team he's one of those additional pieces that helps get you over the line here and homegrown talent. Like look at who scored. And this is painful. The what ended up being the cup winning goal for Tampa Bay against Montreal. It wasn't Nikita Kucherov. It wasn't Braden point. It wasn't Victor Hedman or Steven Stamkos. It was Ross Colton. And when you go, who exactly, exactly. <laughs> small pieces, build winning franchises and Jordan Harris, right now is a strong pillar of this young defense with Caden Gooley out and other guys learning. He is a, a strong piece of the backbone here. He doesn't have to be that in the future, but he will be a huge supporting cast character in this because of his flexibility and the way that he plays. And I think Ken Hughes and everyone realizes that. And now 
everything on the new Jordan Harris contract has been established. So I think we could move on to whatever we've got next. Now we can move on to whatever we've got next, which is injuries, unfortunately. And that's all coming up in just one moment. But first, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel. It's America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better because they have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. You can download FanDuel, FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000, $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And as Super Bowl Sunday is this weekend, don't forget, get the sports the FanDuel Sportsbook app because it is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL, and now us as well. All right, Scott, it is time. Time to discuss injuries, which for whatever reason seems to be one of the most frequently discussed topic on a Montreal Canadiens related podcast for the last two to three years. Well, it's not our fault that everyone's got bonitis or whatever the hell it is at this point. It's actually, <laughs> it's it's seemingly actually good news this week for once, though. Uh, we'll start at the lower level. We'll start down in the AHL as both uh, Nikola Bodin and Jan Mishak are back in the Rocket lineup tonight. Huge, huge boost. Justin Barron's uh, still up in the NHL. So are Rafael Harry-Pinard, Alex Bozil, and Jesse Olinen. They need the boost. And Jan Mishak's obviously having his rookie season growing pains, but it is nice to see that they're coming back here. It allows them to send some guys back down to the ECHL and allow them some flexibility. And at the NHL level, Jonathan Drouin is set to play against the Islanders on Saturday. Great. Yol Army is in a no contact Jersey. Thank you, Jacob Truba. Super duper job. You did there, bud. Hate you. Uh, Sean Monahan is skating. Joel Edmondson is skating. Uh, and then we're still waiting uh, down in the AHL. They're still waiting on updates on Donic Martell and Kevin Poulin, but that's a ways off. People are coming back, which is good. Sean Monahan's still the big one because we don't have a clear update yet. But we're seeing Drew Ann is coming back. We're seeing Armia is skating at least. These guys are getting closer, and there's no need to rush uh, with the way this season is going. Uh, you've got the Islanders this weekend, I believe. I don't think it's the Panthers. I think it's the Rangers. I've forgotten who they're playing already because of it's the way the this Panthers? season. Uh, it's the Oilers on Sunday. So that's <laughs> great. They're going to play Connor McDavid with half an AHL team. And then they play the Chicago Blackhawks on Valentine's Day. So why did I think it was the Panthers? Because they always play the Florida teams on Super Bowl weekend because they do it as a matinee. Um and they're usually in Florida for that because no, they're usually here for Super Bowl they? Sunday. Yeah, they're usually here for Super Bowl, Super Bowl Sunday. Super, 
I can't talk. So spoiler alert, when we were talking about which one of us was sick <laughs> because we had to delay this podcast, guess what? It's me. <laughs> um, but yes, I cannot talk. Apparently my job is to talk on a podcast and I cannot do it. But yes, uh, Super Bowl Sunday it's usually a matinee game. It's usually like the family weekend here. So like, you know, if you're a family of four, you can come to a Montreal Canadiens game, spend $6,000 on a day out um, and go home usually with a loss. And it's it's always like teams like, it's teams like the Islanders. It's like teams like the Devils. It's always like games that like nobody wants to go to, except for the Oilers game. I'm really wondering why the Oilers game is on a Super Bowl Sunday. Like, Here's the thing. Yeah, like Connor McDavid on a Sunday. Like, okay, I get why they're playing early on Sunday because of the Super Bowl and all that. Why are they also playing at noon on Saturday? And why is that always, not the Oilers always game? Always a back-to-back. Yes, but it's always like, a back-to-back. And I get there's a timing thing because you need so many hours between games, but it's like you have Connor McDavid and, you know, you have Saturday. There's no other football or anything else on. You could have a Saturday night showdown where you have Connor McDavid at the Bell Center. And yet you, you don't. But and I know this is supposed to be about injuries, but now I think I'm just gonna rant about why schedule making is dumb as hell. All due respect to the Islanders. I have nothing against the Islanders. You know, Dan, the guys at Lighthouse Hockey, uh, Lighthouse Hockey and Gill over at Lockdown Islanders. We love you all dearly. I do not think there's been a time that Habs fans have been like, I am very excited for this Islanders game, even with Bo Horvat on the team now. Um, I'm interested to see how this team comes out because the Islanders are very uneven. They alternate between just dominant performances and quite frankly, looking like the Canadians in some of these performances. So they lost to the Canucks in overtime after blowing a four, one lead. Not great. It, it, it's we're going to see what can these call-ups and what can this team do. The Oilers game is going to go one or two ways. The Oilers are going to choke on it themselves, or they're just going to absolutely blow the Canadians out of the water. McDavid and Dreisaitl are on some absolute freak nonsense this year, more so than usual. Uh, and I'm a little bit afraid to see what's going to happen with the lineup the Canadians have. Um, and I know not everyone's high on Yessi Pugliarvi, but they are expected to potentially waive him as early as Monday. Uh, to which I say, Kent Hughes, take a fifth round pick and trade it and just get him. They're Make it work. to waive him. That is the thing that's blowing my mind. It's like they're, they're, they don't want anything for him. Like, are they insane? That's the thing this I don't understand. Someone said that like this reeks of desperation. I'm like, this is a desperation. This is a team that never tried to figure out what Yessi Pugliarvi does well. And make him into something. He's got good possession metrics and he's big. Okay, crease crashing guy. No, he's a defensive cycling player. And you've got him just driving to the net. He's not Josh Anderson or Brendan Gallagher. He's more closer to, uh, honestly, Yol Armia and Kirby Doc than, you know, Brendan Gallagher or anything. If you're not going to play to his strengths, some other team will. And I'm hopeful hopeful that that's the Canadians because aligned with Kirby Doc and Jesse Pugliarvi just seems like one of you go into the zone with the puck the other one just keep cycling Jesse or whomever get open they will pass you the puck and you score everybody's happy um can't you if you're listening to this call Edmonton it's it's in Canada you're, you've all got Rogers or Bell phones or whatever it's and just Bell, obviously if they're the Montreal Canadiens 
you've got two phones. Just, you know, dial one. <laughs> just keep calling people to make this work. And then once the guys from injuries come back, that, okay, you've still now added Jesse Pugliarvi to this lineup with that afterwards. This segment has been all over the place because I didn't realize that I had so many thoughts about the scheduling and the Oilers being stupid. But uh, <laughs> some things never change on this podcast. Um, and one thing that doesn't change is that it's Friday. Well, sometimes we do change when there's a special guest. Only when there's a special guest. But in general, it doesn't change when there's a Friday. There's a Friday mailbag, and that is coming up in one moment. All right, Scott, are you ready for our mailbag questions for this week? I mean, I was born ready, so. All right, let us start with. Um, our friend Paul Branchot, we haven't heard from you in a while. Seeing as they're a bubble team for the playoffs, what do you think it would take for the Habs to acquire Devin Levi from the Sabres? A straight swap with Allen, or do they hang on to Allen and trade him before the draft to possibly move up? Uh, it's going to take prospects. The Sabres are a bubble team, and just talking to people here is that if they make it, awesome. If they don't, the progress is very clear, and next year is the year they're going to start really pushing hard for it, and I think Devin Levi is part of that. As much as there's the rumored interest, I don't think it's actually going to come to Devin Levi. I think Eric Portillo is the name that's going to be traded. Um, I can see the Sabres going for a veteran to be their uh, like 1B, 1A next year, depending on what they want to do with Comrie. With Devin Levi as their other piece there, and Portillo would go to another team in that trading scenario, basically. And NCAA rights are not worth worth much. Uh, it's very rare that they become a big package for something like Adam Fox, who was a Norris Trophy defenseman, was traded in a Doug, in the Dougie Hamilton deal. Not his rights alone, and then his rights were traded to New York for like next to nothing. It's very, very easy to acquire some of these for a low price. And I I really do think Eric Portillo is going to be one of those Canadians that's just like I, one of the Canadians pro- radar pieces here. It's not going to be a big deal. It might be like a sixth round pick because the guy's not going to sign with you anyways. You got to get something before he walks to free agency. I don't think Devin Levi is that guy as much as I would like Devin Levi to be that guy for the Canadians. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think a couple of our listeners have asked about him in the past and it definitely seems to be a popular idea here in Montreal. Uh, Our friend Casey D who is your favorite NCAA goalie? I mean, is that in terms of Habs prospects or just in general? Literally just NCAA goalie. I mean, here's the thing. I don't really know uh, because when I watch, I tend to watch the Canadians players a lot. Um, I've kind of liked watching Camesso play for Boston university because I've obviously watched a lot of Lane Hudson and Luke Tuck this year, but watching Devin Levi play in the bean pot this week was, it was like watching Carey price. He was so composed and in control, even when things were going absolutely crazy around him. Devin Levi is just that calm in the eye of the storm there. And he's so impressive that he has that composure and has the entire time. He's having a down year and he's still debatably the best goalie in the NCAA by a fair margin at this point. B was just unfair. Um, Mailback question from our good friend, the Bengals fan. 
I haven't heard you guys talk about Jaden Struble for a while. Have you guys heard anything promising from him? And what do you think his future could be with this organization? Now, we did talk about him with Tony a little bit. This 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 was sent before our Tony episode. Uh, so, and if you want to check that out, the Tony episode was a Thursday, like the uh, episode immediately preceding this one. Um, but we what we didn't talk is what we saw his future, Jaden Struble's future as in this organization. Do you think the Montreal Canadiens will keep him uh, and eventually play him? I think he's getting an entry-level deal this offseason. Uh, and all signs also point to Sean Farrell is going to be a Montreal Canadian as soon as Harvard season is over, whether that be in the ECAC tournament or Frozen Four, whatever. Sean Farrell will be suiting up for the Canadians this spring. I think Jaden Struble will get an entry-level deal. There's too much athleticism. If anyone's going to know Jaden Struble, the person as well, it's going to be Kent Hughes, who obviously Luke Hughes or uh, Jack Hughes playing at Northeastern as well. Kent Hughes knows Jaden Struble very well, just like he knew Jordan Harris very well last year. I think this is a deal that will get done. I think Struble is far from a finished product, though. He's going to need some AHL time, but he's got all the physical gifts. Uh, it's just, what is his uh, what is his peak going to be? That's interesting. Um, I, I wouldn't have thought that it would be an entry level, but I was a little bit worried that he'd just get lost in the shuffle entirely. Uh, and then, so we've got... Um, and um, uh, sorry, an email. I really, I promise you, I'm trying really hard. It's just, you know, not feeling well. Uh, Emric asks us via email Sean Monahan trade question mark. Is it worth trying to trade Monahan? I think Monahan is a steal for the Habs, and I would not try to trade him. Here's why First, we already got a first for him. Hashtag steal the flames. Second, he's not young, but he's not old. He's got a lot of experience in the league and can count as a veteran. Third, he can calm the play when he's on the ice and be a leader, either on the wing or in center. Fourth, for his contract, it will end at the end of the season. With his injury, Kent, or his injury, I would say his injury history, Kent Hughes can probably negotiate less money for him. What are your thoughts? I get the idea of keeping him. And yeah, you already got a first-round pick for him, which is great. I also do think if there is someone willing to offer high-end pieces, you take them because you were in a rebuild. And like you said, his contract expires at the end of the year. If the Canadians really want him back, they'll just sign him again in the offseason, which I still think they might do. I really do think that they might trade him. I think they love him. I think they do too. And I think he's a very versatile piece for them to be like, Okay, we need someone who can help take faceoffs and can be responsible on this line. Sean Monahan. Ah, well, we need a penalty killing center. Sean Monahan. Uh, we need someone to you know get out there for late draws with a net of Sean Monahan, and just have him be that guy. You give him two, maybe three years. You keep the price down a little bit, and you've got this versatile Swiss Army knife you can put in the lineup. But if people are calling and asking for him and offering pieces that you think are worthwhile. You have to take that of Kent Hughes. Sentimentality be damned. You have to eventually do the things that are right by what your team's situation is. It's like when they traded Ilya Kovalchuk all those years ago. Super fun. Super sad to see him go. Would do it every single time. It didn't cost anything to sign him. And you got draft picks for him. And then the season was canceled and he didn't do much for the Capitals anyways. But it all just makes sense you got to do it regardless of how you feel. And then you just try and sign him again in the off season. 
Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I actually really like Sean Monaghan. Uh, Mimo on YouTube asks for next for a mailback question for next week. Is Kirby Doc's potential lower, equal to, or higher than Nick Suzuki's potential? This is tough because I think they're two different players, but also very similar. I think Nick Suzuki is more of a superstar upside kind of player with this plays that he makes. Kirby Doc is very subtle with how he, you know, generates his offense. I'd say they have very equal potential. I only put Suzuki's higher because we've seen him hit those point totals on bad teams as well. Chicago wasn't good, but neither was the Canadians during really any part of Suzuki's time here so far. And I don't know if it's just Suzuki started getting close to his peak first. Um, I think the biggest thing is ask me next year when we have hopefully a healthy team around both players. Uh, but for right now, I think Suzuki's is slightly higher, but that's not a slight of doc because it's a pretty high ceiling to be getting to. Our friend Richard D asks us, well, first, uh, also very excited about Farrell. Um, as you know, we've kind of long suspected that he's going to sign as soon as his NCAA season is over, uh, which is going to be very exciting for us because we've been waiting for the small goal for, or Scott has been waiting. I have to admit, I did not have Scott's foresight slash whatever uh, prospect scouting um, expertise as, as Scott did uh, with regard to Sean Farrell, but I'm very excited to see him in a Habs jersey. Also reminds us that we do actually have a USHL prospect, um, and that is Emmett Croteau, <laughs> um, who I completely forgot even existed. Um and then, so the question is, I was having a look at the Trois-Rivières, like Lyon. Man, when I try to say it in English, it's so bad. Les Trois-Rivières, les Lyons de Trois-Rivières. And completely forgot that we had Verbatic and Brett Stapley playing there. This got me thinking, assuming clearance to participate, do you think there's any merit in having Logan Mayu spend the season with Trois-Rivières next year? It seems like a shrewd way of keeping him out of the media spotlight whilst providing him with the extra year of development that he had missed in the OHL through his own actions. Furthermore, with such a stacked prospect pool, do you think we should be seeing more of our prospects in general heading over to Trois-Rivières for a year of development? Stapley is currently the leading scorer there, with a possibility we'll see him in Laval next year. I'm thinking of players like Tourigny, Davidson, even the likes of Trudeau, Fairbrother, and Mishak spending some time there next season. I'm not opposed to it, but I think because he has first-round pick status, they're going to give him a shot in the AHL to earn that, unless he shows he can't cut it. And even then, they're going to work with him to try and iron out those kinks and give him the opportunity to work with player development. And I do think a lot of these younger guys, the the Davidsons, Meshack, etc., will spend some time with the Lions next year. Um, And that's a good thing. We've talked a lot about how a three-tier system should work for the Canadians' prospects here. I don't think Mayu is going to spend a lot of time there. I think his offensive capabilities are going to keep him in the rocket lineup, and they just work through some of these deficiencies and try to get him to that next level, like they're doing with William Trudeau right now. I think it's an intriguing idea, but I agree with you because he's a first-round pick. It's definitely It changes the game uh, in this scenario. Our friend Beth from the Happy Hour Talk about rocking a red lipstick. Beth says that she loves us and she appreciates our hard work. Um, And I just wanted to shout Beth out because we love you and we appreciate your hard work. Um, And then our next question. This was actually a really fun one because it came with a meme. 
And it's the Bernie meme. And it says, I am once again asking for a coal extension, as is every Habs fan. Every time the Habs tweet, announce coal Caulfield extension. Every single one. And the Seriously. question, if you were quite, <laughs> I know, right? Like we as a podcast are asking for a coal Caulfield extension. Uh, and the question is from Daniel H. And it is, if you were Kent Hughes, what deal would you give Cole Caulfield? Eight by eight. I think that's pretty fair. I think Simple you'll get more that. than eight. But like, yeah. I mean, I do too. But like, that's where I'd probably be like, we want to. I'd probably say eight by seven and a half at first, and then be like, what about eight by eight, and maybe add on like bonus is like for forty goals or an all star performance or something like that. Yeah, like stack those bonuses, stack those bonuses so much that the following season you pay penalties for them because Cole Caulfield will surprise you no matter what. And finally, this question comes from our good friend Goalie Droid, and I really liked it, so I left it till the end. What is your wildest dream for the Habs this trade deadline? Hmm. Joel Edmondson for one. Ben Chirot return. Well, I was going to say, Paul Yarby doesn't seem all that crazy, but like getting Alexis Lafreniere for like for Joel Edmondson uh, and another pick. Uh, somehow acquiring Brock Besser for next to nothing. Uh, I feel like the Canadians are on something completely unseen. I don't quite know. And obviously I don't have insider knowledge here, but I can't help but feel there's something brewing that we're not going to anticipate. We've heard Poole Yarvey. We've known Anderson might be on the move. Edmondson might be on the move. Monaghan, this, that. I can't help but feel... Kent Hughes has something cooking up that none of us are seeing coming right now. And honestly, cool. It uh, gives us something to talk about. And I can't wait to have that, uh, the giddy trade panic where it goes, the Canadians are making a trade and I go, Ooh, fun and do nothing at work for the next three hours while I wait for the trade to finish. I just, I just hope all teams, all 32 teams have fun. I don't. <laughs> I hope I hope all the other teams except for ours have zero fun. Sorry, um, all our friends, but I hope all of you are sad. I only I, I literally only want to see the returns. I hope that there's another deal that's so elaborate, like the Sean Monahan deal, so that Scott, you can dare me to get really, 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 really inebriated and then try to like read the entire <laughs> deal. <laughs> Which might be on the cards for like an off-season or a bonus episode. All right. Uh, that is it for our mailbag questions. Thank you so much for bearing with us and our delay and my unfortunate voice today. Uh, if you would like to subscribe to this podcast, please do. I don't always sound like this. Uh, you can find us on any podcast app of your choice, as well as on YouTube. You can find us on Twitter at LO underscore Canadians. You can also email us at LockedOnCanadians at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave mailbag questions in the YouTube comments, put mailbag question or something like to that effect at the beginning of it so that we'll know you mean it for the Friday mailbag. Um, and you can find Scott on Twitter at Scott Matlow. You'll find me on Twitter at The Active Stick. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. We will talk to you on Monday.